Good morning. Please take your Bible with me today as we turn to Philippians 2, starting with verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of God. We're in a series um, looking at foundational truths in the Christian faith from the lens of the Apostles' Creed. Today we're looking at this statement. It's a ten-word statement, but very significant. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. We are confessing corporately much truth of the Gospel when we rehearse this statement. We are declaring bold truths about Jesus the Christ. We are also making declarations regarding earthly authority. We're rejecting the deceptions of self-sufficiency. We're staking our claim to righteousness and redemption solely dependent on the finished work of Christ when we make this statement. If you are here today and you feel like you fully grasp the depths and richness of the creed, then I would ask you to just listen patiently. We're catching up with you. But if you're like most of us, the depths of truth in these few words has been overlooked. The simplicity betrays the tremendous complexity in these words. The simplicity makes incredible richness in these words. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. Ten simple words, profound in depth and mystery. Profound in comfort and hope. Profound in strength and peace. Let's pray. Father, prepare our ears to hear your truth. Prepare our minds to remember your truth. Prepare our wills to zakar your truth, to remember and act 
accordingly. This is our prayer. In Christ's name, amen. In Matthew chapter 16, there's an interesting discourse between Jesus and his disciples. In verse 15, I use my holy imagination as Christ asks, what about you? Who do you say that I am? And I envision, Brother John, that Christ is looking right at Peter when he says this. How about you, Peter? It's interesting, and it's important, what other people say and who they say I am. But how about you? Who do you say I am? Peter sometimes was impatient. And I believe he began to answer, as we know, a very honorable statement. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And I think that Christ said, Peter, who do you say I am? The question does not always require a verbal response, but rather a deliberate, thoughtful inspection of one's life. Who are you actively saying Jesus Christ is by the way you live? Who do you today? Who do you say Jesus Christ is? I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. This theologically rich ten-word statement is only fully understood when examined through four quintessential texts that make clear who Jesus is, was, and always will be. We'll be looking at Philippians chapter 2, 5 through 11. John 1, verses 1 through 18. Colossians 1, 15 through 23. And Hebrews 1, 1 through 4. You better listen quickly today. Let us examine these texts and see if the richness and depth of the creed becomes more clear. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. This passage helps us in reading about Christ's humility. Your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death. Even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. This passage helps us in clarifying a few things about this creedal statement. The early church used this as a hymn 
of Christological worship. This passage reflects a deep adoration for Jesus the Christ. It also reflects a call to be like-minded. This passage reveals a thoughtful appreciation for the price paid when God the Son became a man. A tremendous humility. Philippians 2 echoes Christological affirmations that are affirmed across centuries of church confessions and certainly reflected in the Apostles' Creed. Let your attitude, some of your Bibles will say your mind, should be the same as Christ. A profound humility above all characterizes the mind of Christ. This mind is reflected through the creed that God the Son would become a man. This humility of mind should be cultivated and pursued by His disciples. Philippians 2, 6-7, through 7, who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made Himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. This self-disregard incarnated by God the Son is a call. It's a call to a life of genuine compassion and sustained kindness for one another. These two verses, 6 and 7, Emphasize the hypostatic union, the unity of two natures in one person, is very clear in this passage, passage, and it is understood in the Creed. Jesus is God the Son. He is preexistently fully God. Being in the very nature of God, being made in human likeness, the united, uniting of fully God with fully man is a mind-boggling exercise. It is a challenging truth. Yet this has been believed and confessed by the universal church for centuries. Jesus is fully and completely God. Please ponder that. Anything and everything that makes God the Father God exists in Jesus Christ. And that divine nature is married to a man's nature and a man's being. And not just a man's nature, but a man of service. A man obedient unto death. A man who exampled a life of selflessness. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, helps us to understand the mind of Jesus Christ and His amazing selflessness and the mystery of this hypostatic union. John chapter 1 also adds clarity to what we profess to believe. 
As you are turning to John chapter 1, I'm going to begin in Luke. There are Christological affirmations in these ten words of the Apostles' Creed that are clarified in John chapter 1. They have been echoed across centuries of time, across chasms of diversity, and across years of racial, ethnic, and gender differences. An affirmation in the creed, I believe in Jesus Christ. The name Jesus means God is salvation or God saves. Luke chapter 1, verse 30, we're introduced to this name. But the angel said to Mary, Do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Yeshua, Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Lest Mary become forgetful what to name her boy, the angel also appeared to Joseph in Matthew chapter 1. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will be, give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Yeshua, Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. The affirmation of the Apostles' Creed is, I believe in Jesus, in Yeshua. I believe in God saves. John 1 strongly supports this salvation message through the language of sonship. Welcoming believers to the Father's house. We read this in verse 12 and 13 of John chapter 1. Yet to all who received Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but children born of God. Adoption into his family through the name Yeshua. I believe in Yeshua, in Jesus. God saves. One affirmation by the creed is supported in John chapter 1. I believe in Jesus. I believe God saves. And his means of saving is the person of Jesus Christ. His method of saving is adoption into his family. But there's a second affirmation we need to affirm. From the creed, his name is really not Jesus Christ. Christ is really a title, not his name. The word Christ means Messiah or anointed one. Or one singled out by God. 
That's why in John chapter 1, verse 29, the next day, John saw coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Yeshua, Messiah, Jesus Christ. In John chapter 1, verse 41, Andrew was introduced to Jesus and he had a first response. Go get my brother. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. Verse 41, the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah. We have found the Christ. And he brought Simon to Jesus. So when we say, I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, four truths we are affirming. We join with Christ's disciples from all ages, affirming His name is Yeshua. God saves. We affirm His title, Jesus Christ, Messiah, anointed one by God. We affirm the hypostatic union. Jesus is fully God and fully man. One person, two natures, incomprehensible, and yet something we anchor our faith to. We affirm the humility of Christ. Jesus, the Messiah, setting aside His glory and becoming a servant. But the richness found in these ten words from the Apostles' Creed does not stop there. Colossians chapter 1 is also a wonderful passage for us to examine. <clears throat> Beginning in verse 15 of Colossians 1. <clears throat> He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything He might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. In Colossians 1, we find perhaps the strongest statement of the full deity of Christ. This Christ hymn exalts God the Son as the supreme Lord over everything that is. Our Lord is declared divine in essence. Our Lord is declared divine in preexistence. Our Lord is declared divine in creative agency. Our Lord is the image of the invisible God. As a matter of fact, 
Chuck, even the word is has significance. He is the image of the invisible God. That word is means permanent and abiding. The Apostle Paul states boldly, Jesus is the image of God in that the nature and being of God is perfectly revealed in Jesus the Christ. Paul's point is simple and undeniable. Jesus is not simply a picture of what God is like. He is God Himself. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. The creed affirms the lordship and the supremacy of Jesus the Christ. Colossians chapter 1 helps us to view the depth and breadth of the lordship of Jesus. He is Lord of creation. Verse 16, For by Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by Him and for Him. He is Lord of creation. He is the firstborn over all creation, reflects His Lordship. Firstborn signifies preexistence and His preeminence because He is the Creator. Firstborn of creation signifies His responsibility as sustainer and preserver as all things are held together in Him. Verse 17, He is the Lord of creation. He is also the Lord of the church. Verse 18, He is the head of the body, the church. Our Lord is corporately deserving of exclusive allegiance, of complete devotion, of total obedience. He is both the source of creation of the church and the conqueror of its greatest enemy, death. Verse 19, For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him. All the attributes that distinguish God, the Father, from all of creation... Jesus Christ possesses a full measure of each of those attributes. He is Lord of the church. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. He is Lord of creation. Lord of the church. But He is also Lord of each disciple. Of the Christian the disciple declares, He is my Lord. The Christ follower preaches to his own heart, He is my Lord. He has rescued me. He has rescued you. He stands ready to present us spotless as His own. He is Lord. We owe Him exclusive allegiance. He is Lord. 
you and I owe Him complete devotion. He is Lord. You and I owe Him total obedience. So when we say, I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, we affirm His personal Lordship over our very lives. We affirm His Lordship over the body of Christ. We affirm His Lordship over all that is. We affirm His name, Yeshua, Jesus saves. We affirm His title, Jesus Christ, Messiah, anointed by God. We affirm the hypostatic union, fully God and fully man. Can I explain it? No, but I believe it. We affirm the humility of Jesus Christ, the fully God, Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, put aside His glory to save. Those things we affirm in the creed. Lastly, Hebrews chapter 1. One thing we do not thank the Lord enough for is that He is a God who speaks. We should be grateful that God speaks. He speaks to us through His Word. He speaks to us through fellow believers. He speaks to us through God the Holy Spirit. He speaks to us through our hearts, our minds, our conscience, our memory, our spirit. It is good that God speaks. We are blessed that God speaks. But in these simple ten words, I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, we affirm that God has spoken most emphatically, most clearly, through His Son, Jesus. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, and through whom He made the universe. The Son is the exact radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things by His powerful Word. After He had provided purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty of in heaven. The creed affirms numerous truths in these sentences regarding His only Son, our Lord. Jesus is the invisible God made visible. Jesus the Christ, God's Son, alone reveals to us exactly what the Father is like we affirm Jesus is the divine revealer. He is the radiance of God's glory, verse 3. He is the exact representation of His being. In John chapter 14, verses 8 and 9, there's an interesting dialogue between Christ and His disciples. Some interesting questions are asked. Christ declares an offensive statement, I am the way, the truth, the life. And then Philip asked, show us the Father. 
And that will be enough. And Christ responds, Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. This is true because He is God's own Son. He is the divine revealer. The exact radiance. Philip, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. He's also the divine redeemer. He and only He could purify from sin. No prophet, no preacher, no angel, no special acts of service, no special sacrifice. He and He alone could offer redemption through the purification of sin. Back to verse 3. After He had provided purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. The great high priest offered a one-time sacrifice himself and once for all that sacrifice was enough. Ten simple words we rehearse when we say the creed. In that second part of the creed, I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, profound in depth, overwhelming in mystery, challenging to our faith, and yet rehearsed across centuries, because it is true of Jesus the Christ. If you are here today and you have questions about the Christian faith, we would welcome a time to discuss your questions and Jesus' truth claims. If you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, but the question, who do you say that I am, has some discrepancy between your verbal response and the way you live. We would welcome a time to discuss with you that discrepancy. We will listen well. We'd be happy to pray with you and offer scriptural suggestions to help narrow that gap. We're going to have communion here in a few minutes. Communion is a time that unites the church. But it's also a time for us to stop and reflect. So I ask you as we approach this communion table, who do you say? Shh, shh, shh. Doesn't require a verbal response. Who do you say? That Jesus the Christ is. What does your life say you believe about Jesus the Christ? His only Son, our Lord.